Hello, I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Coming up after the news, it's Philosophy Talk. Our topic today, friendship. Life wouldn't be much fun without our friends, John, without friends to share it with. Is that all friends are for, just to help us pass the time pleasantly? That's what some friends are for. Real friends are more than pleasant companions, Ken. Real friends become a part of you, and you become a part of them. Friends make you a better person, and you make your friends better people, too. Oh, John, you sound like such a Pollyanna. Some friends actually make you worse, and you make them worse. Haven't you ever had a friend like that? Ken, I think you should choose your friends more wisely. So what exactly is a true friend? Why does friendship matter at all? We'll tackle these questions and more with our guest Martha Nussbaum when Philosophy Talk continues after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Berry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of 91.7 KALW, innovative and local public radio for San Francisco. We're continuing conversations that began at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. And from that oasis of thought, we go, we migrate to the air via this oasis of radio. And from the radio, we migrate to the internet via our blog, the blog.org philosophytalk.org. Go check it out. So, Ken, today our topic is friendship, and I have a preliminary question for you. Uh, I've got friends who are philosophers, and I've got friends who are problems, but that doesn't make friendship a philosophical problem. I mean, what's what's the big deal about friendship? You just like some people, you don't like some people, that's what friendship's all about. Well, I, I think friendship is a little more weighty than you're, you're suggesting there. First of all, you know, Aristotle said, and I, and I think rightly, that friendship is essential, is an essential ingredient of a well-lived, well-functioning, flourishing, virtuous human life. Without friends, you couldn't exercise virtue, he seemed to think. And, but, but think about this. Friendships are sources of obligations. You owe things to your friends friends. I mean, how, how can a mere choice relationship generate obligations? That's a puzzle. And secondly, how far do those obligations extend? I mean, suppose the, dicta- the demands of friendship conflict with the demands of impartial morality. Which would you side with, impartial morality or, or, or friendship? Well, Ken, once again, once again, you've taken my simple-minded attitude towards life and shown that it's fraught with unrecognized philosophical problems. So I agree with you. We're going to have an interesting program about friendship. But I'm not sure about everything you said or everything Aristotle said. I mean, why is having friends part of the good life? I mean, a lot of uh, Eastern religions say that the best life is to go up on a mountain and not have any friends, just you and, and the flow of being. And as a matter of fact, didn't Aristotle say that the best form of life was pure thought thinking about itself? Yeah, he said something like that. No, you're, you're right. I mean, there's some complexities there. Friendship may not be the highest good, but it's certainly a good, and especially if you're not living a life of pure contemplation, but living as one human being among others in a polis, as Aristotle would say, in a political uh, society and surrounded by others and living the life of action, then, you know, it's a very important thing, even if there might be something higher. Well, another thing puzzles me about friendship. I mean, to me, friendship is something that was incredibly easy. I started having friends before I even went to school. Lots of, lots of friendships are 
formed in kindergarten or when kids are very little. Now, how can this multi-complicated, multi-faceted, philosophically fraught with problems relationship just crop up between kids in kindergarten? It seems like they ought to put a little more thought into it than they're capable of. Yeah, it's not clear they know what they're getting into when they start to form friendships on the playground. Eh? Yeah, But you know what? To help us answer that question, we'll turn to our roving philosophical reporter, Rujin Shen, who went out and examined friendship in preschool. She files this report. They're really hard to get off leads because they have to... Who are your first friends? Could they have been your buddies who helped feed silkworms with you in preschool? <laughs> a silkworm on your ear. Yeah, silly, <laughs> huh? It really seems to happen as, as they find stuff of similar interest. Erwin Vista teaches at Mustard Seed Preschool in Berkeley. He's seen children become friends as they take care of silkworms together. I mean, just the fact that they're together, they're looking at the silkworms, they're playing with the silkworms and handling it together. It just brings them closer together, not only just physically, but then suddenly there's even a mental connection of just what they're doing together. And then later on it just uh, develops further. Then they just, sometimes they'll just randomly talk about their lives at home and then they'll just have little conversations more about that. Then suddenly it's like, oh, I want to come over to your house and can you come over to my house? Kathy Squires, director of the preschool, has worked with kids for more than 20 years. She says they're aware of each other very early, even before they can talk. Even in infant care, people notice that even though they aren't playing together, they have become aware of each other. When one child cries, you know, other children will cry too. So they're aware of other people quite early on. Children at this preschool are from 18 months to 5 years old. Of course, teachers don't tell them what Aristotle said about friendship. Instead, they adopt a more laissez-faire approach. First, we try to have children become aware of their own feelings. Slowly then, they can be led to be aware of the other person's feelings and interests. Slowly, they, they are able to be a friend as well as receive gestures of friendship. I'm playing in the pink section with Colleen. Her philosophy seems to work well in the classroom. Children play in different sections marked by colors. The pink section is a mini house. Blue, reading area. Green, blocks. They move from section to section, group, split, and regroup. What happens when a disagreement breaks out? We try to get them to figure out how to resolve it, so a lot of times we'll just sort of like mediate. Kristin Madarazzo co-teaches the class. You know, a lot of times we'll be like, you need to tell so-and-so what you're feeling and why you're so mad, and then so-and-so you need to tell them back. So if it's like a hurt feeling thing, they'll usually talk and then someone will say they're sorry. They're usually, they're actually really good about resolving their own conflicts if you let them. They come up with much um, more creative solutions to how to deal with conflicts. You just need to encourage them to talk about it. And once they start talking, they usually it's, it's fine and they figure it out. For Philosophy Talk, this is Ru Jingshen. You can listen to the rest of this program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.